You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Luke chapter number 16 and verse number 19. The Bible says, And there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And the certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. We are in our series in uh, the Sundays. We're in our series uh, on following Jesus. And we've seen some miracles We've seen some parables. We've seen uh, some teachings of Jesus. Uh, we saw where Jesus called his disciples. And when Jesus called his disciples, he said to them, he said, follow me and I will do what? Make you fishers of men. You know, it's interesting that the reason Jesus called disciples was because he had something for them to do, right? The reason Jesus came to this earth because he had something to do. What did Jesus come to do? The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. This morning, we're in a passage of Scripture that, I'll be honest with you, is not a, a favorite of mine, but it is a reality. And this passage of Scripture may not be on the most popular list for uh, preachers' sermons and series and all of those, but I'm going to preach to you this morning... What Jesus had to say about a place called hell. And uh, I hope you'll listen. I hope you'll uh, pay attention. I hope you won't tune me out. You say, well, I'm going to heaven. Well, good. I'm glad you are. I hope you are. But maybe there's somebody around you that needs to hear this. Or maybe God wants to speak to your heart to burden you for somebody that you know or somebody that you work with, somebody uh, that uh, you live beside that may not know the gospel. They may not know the good news 
And it is my desire that God would use this message to help us this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, give us what we need, and help us to have our, our minds and our hearts, our ears open to the truth of the Word of God. And I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would help us uh, to be receptive and responsive uh, to the Word of God this morning. I thank you for the privilege we have to be together. And I pray that you do a mighty work in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get into the message, I'm going to need some help. And uh, Brother uh, Kyle, would you be willing to help me with something on this side? And then uh, Brother Glenn, would you be willing to help me with something on this side? Now, this we did not practice, but I need your help. So Kyle, come on up here, brother. Or actually, you stand right there. I got my mic here. I need you to hold this end of the rope, and it's got that red. So you, I want you to start walking that way, kind of around the pews, and I'm going to see if I, I'm going to give Brother Glenn the hard part. If it gets tangled, Brother Glenn, you're going to have to try to untangle it, okay? So, Kyle, don't pull him over. Don't choke him or anything like that. And Brother Glenn, would you mind start to walk that way, kind of around the, the side over by the wall? All right? Good. There we go. Good. All right. So they're working on that. Now, this is not, we're not going to tie anybody up. We're not going to rope you into doing anything. As a matter of fact, let's be careful. You know, Kyle, start walking back a little bit that way there. Brother Glenn, if, as that gets untangled, start walking down that by that wall over there. I want everybody to see uh, kind of the, the length of that. Keep going there if you can a little bit, Kyle. Brother Glenn, you good? All right, good. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't strangle your wife, brother. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, um, anybody have any extra food for lunch? Brother Glenn might need something for lunch after threatening his wife. All right, good, so you got it? Can you guys stand there for just a couple minutes? And I'm going I'm to use that here in just a second. Or if you want to sit down for a minute, once you come sit down, set the rope down. And once you sit down, I don't, I don't want to keep you waiting and you're wondering, you know, when I'm going to finish. Um, all right, good. So we got it. Brother um, Chris, I'm going to say hello. Chris and Desiree, we're so glad to see you folks. And if you've not met Chris and Desiree, I hope you meet them. And then uh, Roy and Judy, I hope you get to meet. Roy, wave at us, if you will, right there. These folks have... Um, come back to the area and I hope you get to meet them. And uh, if you, there's somebody around you that you don't know, uh, I hope after the service, I hope you'll introduce yourself. And uh, you may, I, I'll tell you what, you may find out you've got a next door neighbor that comes to church and you didn't even know they came to church or whatever. But uh, I hope you get to meet people. In Luke 16, we find this account of a rich man and a poor man. Now, I don't believe this is a parable, and the reason for that is that in all the parables, you never find names. It'll say there was a, a father, and there was a son, or there was a, a man that owned a, a vineyard, and there were uh, laborers in the vineyard. You don't find names. It's, it's, it's people hypothetical, and it's an example of this could happen. But in this passage, we find a rich man, and the Bible says there's a poor man by the name of Lazarus. I want you to know in this story that there are characters in this story. These are real people. By the way, I'm talking this morning to real people. You live next to real people. You work with real people. Your family members are real people. And I want to say this, every person matters to God. You say, well, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, so that's all that I care about. That's a very, very terrible, prideful attitude to have. Because somebody cared enough to get the gospel to you. Somebody cared enough to get the gospel to me. 
And we're talking about real people. These were people in this story, the rich man and Lazarus, these were people that knew each other. As a matter of fact, not only did they know each other, they lived very closely to one another. The Bible says that the rich man and Lazarus was laid at his gate. Imagine a huge mansion or a huge palace and outside the, the walls of that, uh, that, that, that facility, outside the walls of that property, here was a poor man and that's where he lived. Literally a stone's throw from one another. These two folks could not have been more different. I see, number one, the characters in this story. But I see, number two, I see the conditions of their life. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 19, it said there was a certain rich man which was, was clothed in purple and fine linen. That purple speaks of royalty. Maybe this man was a king. Maybe this man was a ruler. But I know this. He had the finest clothes that money could buy. He had the nicest of the nice. Money was not an option for him. He uh, was clothed in purple and fine linen, the, the, the finest quality of clothing, he had it. The Bible says this, and he fared sumptuously every day. You know what that means? He was living in luxury. He didn't have anything that he wanted that he couldn't get for himself. He had it all. And friend, I want to tell you, you may be here today and say, well, I'm not living in luxury. Well, compared to most of the world, you are living in luxury. Compared to most of the world, I am living in luxury. If you got a roof over your head and you got food on your table, I want to tell you, you're blessed. You ought to thank God for that. How many of you know luxury is relative, right? <laughs> you compare it to the next person, and it may or may not be. But, but uh, I remember when I was growing up, this was one of the funniest things uh, our family, growing up, my dad was a Christian school teacher for 20 years, and uh, there were seven children, and we didn't have a lot. Uh, but I tell you what, we didn't have a lot financially, but we had a lot spiritually. We had a mom and dad that loved us and cared for us, and we had a family that went to church, and uh, we were saved and born again and on our way to heaven, and, and, and we had a, a wonderful thing that, that money could not buy. I'll put it that way. One night we were driving home to our house, and we had a nice house and a nice area. But our next-door neighbors had a, a house with a huge picture window in the front. And one day we were driving home, and my sister Jennifer, you know Jennifer, she and Caleb, they were here, and they're, uh, they're uh, up in Connecticut. And uh, they were, we were driving back, and my sister, she probably, I'm guessing she was seven or eight years old at the time, she, we're driving into our, our driveway and our neighbors with that huge picture window, they had in their front room, they had a huge, massive TV. Now I'm talking about, you remember the days when you had the box TVs? You know what I'm talking about? That's what we had. You know, like a 27 inch. I think one time we got up to a 32 inch box TV. You know, it was about as big as this piano it seemed like, you know, but the screen wasn't very big. And we had one of those TVs. Well, the neighbors had a huge TV that almost covered the wall. I mean, it was massive. I'm not talking about flat screen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Remember those big, massive TVs? And my sister, we were driving by. Again, she was little. We are driving by, and she looked over, and she saw they had their big TV, and it was on. And it was dark outside, so you could see in the house. And she said, wow, they've got the life. 
And we laughed, and we to this day, we tease her about it. You know, that was a picture, that was apparently, that was somebody that had arrived in life because they had a, a huge, massive TV that took up their wall, you know. They've got the life. Well, I want to tell you, this rich man in the story, he had the life. Everybody would have loved to have traded places with him here in this life. But the Bible says that he fared sumptuously. He, in his life, experienced good things. On the flip side, Lazarus, the Bible says, he experienced evil things. He experienced bad things. He experienced hardships. The Bible tells us about Lazarus that he was a beggar. The Bible says that he was laid at the gate and he was full of sores. Maybe it was leprosy. Maybe it was an incurable disease. It was undoubtedly a painful disease. And the Bible says that Lazarus was laid at the gate and he was desiring, he was begging for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Now, how many of you know it's not good to eat food off the floor, right? How many of you know that, okay? About four hands went up. That's a scary thought. Now, I know there's a five-second rule kids will talk about, right? If you drop something good and you pick it up within five seconds and you blow it off, you... Well, no, don't do that. Don't do that. I tell you what's really scary when you got kids and they find food in a vehicle or they find food somewhere and you're thinking, I don't even remember that. I don't even know how old that is. I don't even know where that's from. And of course, for kids, you try to catch them before they put it in their mouth, right? And say, don't eat that, don't do that. But this, this man, Lazarus, the Bible says he was begging for the crumbs that would have fallen off the table of the rich man. That's how poor this man was. This is how vastly different their lives were. Although they lived so close, one man lived in the palace, one man lived right outside the gate, but they were night and day difference in this life. But I want to say this, they were night and day difference in eternity. Because not only do we see the characters of this story, number one, number two, the conditions of their life, but number three, we see the conclusion of their lives on earth. The Bible says in verse number 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. I see the conclusion of their lives on earth. Brother uh, Kyle, would you mind picking up that end of the rope there? And I want you to hold it up in the air. It's going to be hard to see. But at the end of Kyle's, uh, show us the red part there. At the end of that rope, there's a little bit of red. Now, on this side, you just have to trust me. You got to take my word for it. There's about two inches of red over there. The rest of the rope is all white. You don't have to get up, Brother Glenn, but we know where your rope is. It's back there by Kendall and by Brother Jason and all that. But that's a long rope, about 100 feet or so. But that rope, that red, represents your life on earth. If every inch of this rope were equal to 35 years of life, then that right there would be 70 years. The Bible says three score and 10, and if perhaps by reason of strength you live to be four score, that's a good life, 70, 80 years. That's, that's a good life. And so that red would represent 70 years. If this rope represented eternity, which of course it doesn't because if it represented eternity, it would never end. But this rope would equal 40,000 years. And look at how small that red is. Look at how short our life on earth is. 
compared to eternity. Think about that red. That rich man, he experienced a great life for that much. And the Bible says for the rest of eternity, he was in a place called hell. Think about that poor man, Lazarus, for that much. He had a hard time. Brother Ainge, you talked about Job in Sunday school. And boy, Job went through a lot. And by the way, that's a great example that you don't go to heaven because you're rich or you don't go to hell because you're rich. Job was a, a rich man, but he was a man that feared God. Here in Luke 16, here's a rich man that didn't have time for God. But the, the, the poor man, Lazarus, he had some hardships for that long. But can I tell you, for all of eternity, that, that poor man, that, that beggar, Lazarus, He's enjoying the beauty of heaven. He's enjoying the peace of heaven. He's enjoying a place where there's no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. Hallelujah. Here's what I'm trying to say. Life on earth is so short. Life on earth is just like a vapor that appears for a little time and then it's gone. But eternity lasts forever. Kyle, thank you, brother. You can put that down and we'll, leave, we'll just leave the rope there for now and we'll, we'll get it before people uh, leave so nobody trips and... And if they do trip, we'll, we'll let you sue Kyle and Glenn. No, no, no. I see number three. I see the conclu conclusion of their lives on earth. They both died. But then number four, I see the certainty of eternity. The Bible says, and the rich man died and was buried in verse 23. And in, what's that next word? Hell. I didn't say it. I didn't make it up. I didn't come up with this. I'm telling you what Jesus said about the rich man who died and he was buried and in hell. He lift up his eyes, being in torments. That word torments, it means pain. It means torture. It means suffering. And this rich man in hell, he wasn't partying with his friends. This rich man in hell, he wasn't having a good old time with all of his buds. This rich man in hell, the Bible says that he was in torments. The Bible says that he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy. You know what he's doing in hell? He's begging for mercy. He's begging for somebody to help. He's begging for relief. He says, would you please send Lazarus? You know that old beggar, that dirty beggar that was full of sores? Would you just let him just dip his finger in water and just put a little drop on my tongue? Now, friends, I want to tell you, I've been thirsty in my life. I've never been that thirsty. I've never been at a point where I thought if I could find some sick, dirty person to stick their finger in water and just put one little drop on my tongue. But that's what this man was crying for from hell. You see, there's the certainty of eternity. He was crying for mercy. He said, I am tormented in this flame. Notice with me in verse number 26, Abraham says, beside all this, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. A great gulf, it's a great chasm. It's a great opening. It's, it's a great void that you cannot pass from one side to the other. Now, hang on. There's a great gulf between heaven and hell. You can't go back and forth between those. But I got good news. There is not a great gulf between earth and heaven. 
you can go that way. And there is a way to get to heaven. And there is a way to be saved. And there is a way to escape hell. And there is a way to avoid eternal judgment from God. I want to tell you the good news is you don't have to go to hell. The good news is you don't have to suffer. You don't have to be in torments. Because Jesus Christ made a way for you to go from this life into the next and go straight to heaven. The certainty of eternity. This rich man, he was in hell. This man was in torments. Meanwhile, Lazarus was in heaven. And Abraham said, and he is comforted. Thou art tormented. You see, friend, this morning I'm here to tell you, according to the word of God, that hell is a real place. Hell is the worst that you could experience. The worst that you could experience on earth is nothing compared to what hell is like. In hell, there is real fire. In hell, there is real torment. The Bible says there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. In hell, there is no relief. In hell, there is no comfort. In hell, there is no escape. Hell is forever. I want to remind you this morning that as we sit here, there are people that are in hell today. And I don't say that. Uh, I don't say that as a, a ha-ha, or I don't say that to, uh, to say we're better than anybody. Friend, ain't none of us deserve to go to heaven. We all deserve to go to hell. But it's only by the mercy and grace of God that you're here today. It's only by the grace of God that you've been saved. And if you're here today and you're not saved, God's grace can reach and God's grace can extend to you today. We do not know when we will enter eternity. We're all just a heartbeat away from heaven or hell, but eternity is certain. I see quickly number five in this passage, I see the concern from hell. Notice this rich man, he's in hell and he's talking to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I have five brothers. Would you please send Lazarus to my brothers so that he can warn them so that they don't have to come here with me? Now think about this. If we could hear today the requests, if we could hear the cries from hell today, I think we'd hear the same thing. I'd hear we, I think we'd hear people say, please, would you go talk to my brother? Would you go talk to my son? Would you go talk to my sister? Would you talk to my mother? Would you talk to my grandchild? Would you talk to my grandparent? Would you talk to my coworker? And nobody in hell today would want anybody else to come. They would want everybody else hear the good news put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ so that they can escape the judgment of that place called hell General William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army the Salvation Army did not begin as a goodwill or uh, a place where you go buy uh, old furniture or old clothes or whatever but the Salvation Army began as a group of people going out and spreading the news of salvation to see people saved the Salvation Army, it was a, an army of soul winners going out and telling people how they could know for sure they were going to heaven. General William Booth began the Salvation Army and he said in his training, he said, we try to teach all of our folks how to win people to Christ, how to share the gospel. He said, there's one thing I wish we could do. He said, I wish there was some way that we could let every one of our soul winners, every one of our, our men and women, I wish we could let them experience for 30 seconds what hell was really like. He said, because if our soul winners would experience 30 seconds of what hell is like, he said it would change their life. It would cause them to have a greater burden and a greater passion and a greater fervency to see people trust Jesus Christ while they have time. 
Now, friend, I'm glad to tell you that we're not going to experience 30 seconds in hell. If you're saved, you're not going to experience 30 minutes in hell. You're not going to experience 30 days. You'll never experience hell because Jesus Christ paid the price so you wouldn't have to. But I want to tell you, hell is a real place. And there ought to be concern. There ought to be compassion. Jude 22, the Bible says, And of some, having compassion, making a difference, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment that is spotted by the flesh. Friend, there ought to be something in our hearts. There ought to be something in our bones that says, I'm glad I'm saved, but I want to see somebody else get saved. I'm glad I got the gospel, but I want to give it to somebody else. There was concern from this rich man in hell. He said, please send Lazarus that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I see lastly, number six, I see the clarification concerning hell. I want you to notice what Abraham answered this rich man in verse 29. After the rich man said, would you please send Lazarus? He needs to warn them. Abraham said in verse 29, or Abraham said in verse 29, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Now, hang on. What does that mean? They have Moses and the prophets. Well, well here's, what, here's what that means. They had the Bible. They had the word of God. They had already had the warning. They had already had the message. They already had the escape plan. They already have the escape route. And if they're not going to follow this, Abraham said they wouldn't believe it if Lazarus came back from the dead. They say, well, well, what does that do for us? I'm glad you asked. What that means is we've got the solution. We've got the answer. We've got the remedy. So what do we do for people that don't know Christ? We share the good news with them. We tell them what the Bible says. We tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We tell them, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is the answer. And if people won't believe the Bible, they're not going to believe anything else you say. They're not going to believe anything else you do because this is the message of hope. It's the word of God. The clarification concerning hell. The answer to keep people from going to that awful place is to give them the word of God, to share with them the gospel, to tell them what Jesus has done in your life and to let them know that what Jesus did for you, he could do for them. The clarification concerning hell is also this. God doesn't send people to hell. If you've been in this church for very long, you've heard me say it before, but I feel like it's important to re reiterate and to emphasize this fact. God does not send people to hell. As a matter of fact, God sent his son Jesus to die so people wouldn't have to go to hell. He paid the price. He paid the cost. He did it all. Jesus suffered and bled and died so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. It's almost as if God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are standing in the way of a sinner saying, you don't want to go to hell. And they're doing everything they can to keep people from going to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. People send themselves to hell when they reject the grace and the mercy of God. You see, there's only one way to heaven, but there are many roads that lead to hell. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? What do you mean there's many roads? Well, for some, the road to hell is that they have rejected Christ. They have been presented with the gospel, and they have said, I don't believe it. I don't want it. 
I don't need it. That's not for me. By the way, that will send a person to hell. If you reject the gospel, that will send you to hell. But there's another road that leads people to hell. I'll call this the road of pride. Did you know some people think that they're going to heaven because they're a good person? Well, pastor, you don't understand. I've been a church member for 40 years. You don't understand. I've been a Sunday school teacher. You don't understand. I got baptized. You don't understand all the good things I do and how nice I am to people. I don't have to understand how good you are. I know this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know this, that all of our righteousness is our filthy rags. And if you think you can get to heaven on your own, you are mistaken, my friend. The road of pride does not lead to heaven. The road of pride leads people straight to hell. Then there's the road of being too busy. I think we live in that society today where I've talked to people, you've talked to people, and you, you share the gospel, and here's what they'll say. I don't have time for that. I got too much to do. I got too much on my mind. I got too much to worry about. I don't have time. And friend, the road of being too busy can lead you to hell. How about the road of good works? We've already talked about it. Some people are just hanging on to their baptism. Some people are just hanging on to their church membership. Some people are just hanging on to the fact that they're such an upstanding, wonderful uh, 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 person in the, in the community. Friend, I want to tell you, your good works won't get you to heaven. Titus 3, 5, the Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. The rich man did not go to hell because he was rich. And Lazarus didn't go to, hell, uh, go to heaven because he was poor. The rich man went to hell because he did not put his faith in Jesus Christ. And Lazarus went to heaven because he did put his trust in the grace of God. Friend, I want to tell you today, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, you don't have to walk out of here not knowing. You don't have to leave this place still wondering and guessing. You don't have to have doubts. You don't have to put your head on the pillow tonight and wonder, where will I spend eternity? The Bible has the answer. You can know for sure that heaven is your home. You don't have to go to hell. Your loved ones don't have to go to hell. Your coworkers don't have to go to hell. Your neighbors don't have to go to hell. You see, God loved us so much that he provided a way of escape so that we could have eternal life in a place called heaven and escape the judgment of God in a place called hell. This auditorium, is, of course, it's a beautiful auditorium and we've got exits all over the place. If the lights were to go out and if it were dark outside, those, those exit signs would light up and would lead people to the way how to get out, how to escape. But if this building were in flames, I want to tell you, first of all, I think you'd want to make sure you got out. Any normal person would, right? We want to make sure we get out. But I'll tell you this. Once you knew you were out, once you knew you were okay to get out, I think you'd want to do everything you could to get your family out. I'll tell you what I'd be doing. I'd be looking for my girls. I'd be looking for my wife. I'd be looking for my family. I tell you what else I'd be doing. I'd want to rescue as many people as I could. And if I had time, I'd say, hey, what am I doing? There's a fire in there. There's a, burning that's a building that's burning down. Why am I sitting around uh, twiddling my thumbs when I could be helping people get out of the fire? And that would be our feeling towards an earthly fire, a temporal fire. How much more so would we be concerned 
And should we be concerned to help people escape an eternal fire? And to escape a place called hell. And to point people to the exit. To point people to the escape. And to say, I want to introduce you to the one that can help you. And his name is Jesus. Friend, I'm glad that we have the Bible. And I'm glad we have the words of Jesus. Who told us about a rich man who went to hell. But a man named Lazarus who went to heaven. And if you're here today and... You're in the rich man category as far as you're on your way to hell. Friend, I want to tell you, today's the day to get your life turned around. Today's the day to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you're in the Lazarus category, you're on your way to heaven, I say, praise God. We ought to do all we can to help as many people as we can to know Christ before it's too late. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.